welcome again. It is so good to be here in the presence of God with you all today. Like Rob said, my name is Shauna Boren, and I get the distinct pleasure of giving the best of both worlds around here. And what I mean by that is, as one of the, um, I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to be here on the weekends and working with the welcome team and seeing those of you who come in person, I get to uh, see you here in person. And then during the week, I get the pleasure of connecting with many of you who are online, and that is so great, through different groups and classes. And so I get to work with Rob Kissler with our gathering groups and Dan the Man, Dan Kent with the MuseCast and just a variety of other classes. And so it is um, really the best of both worlds. And I feel super blessed that this is my job. All right, so we have been in this series, A Lost Art of Friendship, and Greg has kicked us off by laying out for us the history of friendship and the way things used to be and pointing out some of the things that we've lost in uh, friendships. And then, oh yeah, and then he uh, talked to us about being a friend of God, which was so powerful and so beautiful, the fact that God sees us as friends. And then we got to hear from Emily, who was amazing. Wasn't she so fantastic? She talked to us about uh, seeing one another as family and being the family of God together. And so today, we're going to shift gears just a little bit. We're going to transition and shift our focus to how we begin to walk this out, what we can do to be a friend, to show up in this friendship space in a way that reflects the kingdom. I've entitled this sermon, Thank You for Being a Friend, and I'm going to say to you that um, I am an old soul, really. Like, my soul is about 93 years old. And because of that, I have an affinity for, do y'all see this cute little? This is Sophie, Sophie from the Golden Girls. And so when we were were talking about um, friendship in the series, a theme song kept coming to mind. And so, you know, guys, I'm an old soul, so uh, I'm going to just say some of these words. And if you know the song, (laughs) feel free to sing along. Thank you for being a friend. I'm not going to sing, but you can. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be from me, and the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. Thank you so much. Oh, Sophia thanks you. All right. Thank you for being a friend. Those lyrics, you guys, are written by a man by the name of Andrew Gold, and if you ever have time, Google their lyrics. They're actually really sweet. The full lyrics are really poignant and sweet. All right, so today, (laughs) let's get down to the word because we've done enough play. Uh, Our focus scripture is found in the book of Philippians, and part of why I love Philippians so much is because it is a book written to a group of people trying to live in community with one another. This is all about interpersonal relationships, and I absolutely love that. And so let's look at chapter 2 in Philippians, the first four verses. It says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, 
maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than ourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. I love this scripture. I love this encouragement from the word. And it makes me think of our friendships and our relationships and why they're so vital and why they are so important. Friendships are relationships that we get to choose. We choose to invest in them and to prioritize them. And if we're gonna choose these friendships, I think it's important as kingdom people to show up for these friendships in uniquely kingdom ways because that's who we are. Now, hopefully, This is week four, so hopefully by this point in the series, you guys are on board, you guys are bought in, and you understand the value of friendship, and so you're thinking to yourself, sounds amazing. I'm so ready for this journey to intentionally walk this out, let's go. And so I say to you, yes, yes, let's go. But in order to begin walking out choosing others, we first need to be aware of our current cultural landscape around us. There are certain things in our culture and in our environment that we just need to pay attention to, that we need to be aware of, because if we're not aware of them, then they can act as roadblocks, and so we need to recognize those and push back against them. One of those things is technology. Now, we've had a whole series on technology, and I'm not saying technology is all bad, like part of my job is like to be online with folks. So of course, I appreciate and value technology. What I'm saying though is, is that technology, if we're not careful, can be a roadblock and we need to push back against that. If we're not careful, because of the way that we are so used to using our technology, we'll find that there is a decrease in our emotional awareness of others. We'll, we'll find that we've, we're losing the ability to recognize certain human cues and interactions. In fact, studies have shown that because of the way we're so dependent upon our technology and the way that we use it, that it's actually changing the way that we think. It's changing the way that we think, and we're actually learning lessons about how to engage with society, within society, from the way that we engage with technology. And one of the biggest and most alarming is that we have begun to learn to place a high value on efficiency. We are learning to value efficiency over patience. Achieving max productivity with minimum effort or expense has been the goal. So we no longer are used to or accustomed to or even want to dig for what we're looking for. We don't want to perform any extra steps or do any extra work. We want results immediately. And that's great when you're dealing with information, but this mindset is spilling over into our human interactions. And the problem is meaningful human interactions are hardly efficient. We're humans. We can't just uh, depend upon efficiency for one another. Meaning human interactions are hardly efficient and we should not expect them to be. Some of you know that our oldest, our firstborn, we moved this fall to college. 
<laughs> oh my God, he's in college, he's away from home. And he's doing amazing and it's wonderful, but we miss him so much. We miss seeing him every day. And last week, um, he FaceTimed our family. Uh, he had a couple of questions about just some logistical things that he needed. And then he just, you know, it was just time to chat and hang out for a little bit while he had some time and he had some space. And I cherish those moments. They are so amazing. During that time, during that FaceTime call, like we're talking, he's talking, he's looking up stuff online that he's got to do later on, but we're, the conversation is still going. Kids are running back and forth to show him different things. And then at one point, Declan has to go to the restroom. And so he just like, hey, hold on, you guys, I'll be right back. He didn't take us with him. Don't worry, that'd be weird. But he left the phone in his dorm and he ran down the hall. And so we're actually just kind of looking and seeing the ceiling of his dorm. Now, efficiency would have said, Say your goodbyes, hang up the phone, end the conversation, then go to the bathroom. It wasn't really efficient for us to wait while he ran down the hall to did that and come back. But was it a good use of time? Absolutely. <laughs> I would much rather have spent that extra time waiting on him and then talking to him some more than being efficient because meaningful human interactions are hardly efficient and we don't want them to be and we don't need them to be because we need to be able to truly engage one another. And that leads us to our second roadblock that we really need to be paying attention to and pushing back against because it can really come uh, and, and impact us in negative ways and that is busyness. We are so busy. I know we've been in a pandemic and many people were home and isolated and that, that was hard, but as we're beginning to move back into the world to whatever normal is, I don't even know, we have really quickly begun to fill our schedules again and we are so busy. We don't have space, we don't have margins, we don't have room to encounter people unexpectedly or to have those moments of frivolity and just hanging out and talking. We don't have time for no agenda because we're so busy. We don't have time to spend and to waste with one another because we are so busy. And because we're so busy, we don't have time to develop the friendships that are important to us because meaningful friendships are not about discovering the perfect person. They're not. It's not like someone's going to show up wrapped in a red bow on your doorstep and say, hey, I'm here to be your friend. And you're like, great, we're going to be besties. Usually that's not the way that works. Most times, friendships have to be developed over time. And if we're so busy that we don't have time to do that, we're missing out on some really meaningful, meaningful relationships. In fact, we really do need six to eight times together to establish a rhythm. We need six to eight times together to establish a rhythm. If we're busy, if we have no margins, chances are we won't be able to establish that rhythm. Now, I just wanna say to you guys, in full disclosure, I am not an expert in this stuff, right? I'm not, I am learning along with you about this. I've read a lot of relationship experts and friendship experts, uh, and they are out there for you to, um, to glean from Shasta Nelson and Kira Estran, and there's a couple of brothers that are in uh, leadership and pastoral leadership, the Jacobson brothers, Tilden Edwards. I've even sprinkled in a little Scott Bourne and Paul Eddy, and so I've read some people because I too am learning along with you. And there were so many times during studying and preparing, like about 22 times when I just wanted to say, no thank you, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna do this, because this stuff is hard, and I um, am learning along with you how to walk this stuff out. 
The final uh, roadblock that we have to deal with, that we have to address because we need to push back against it, are past hurts. If you are human, if you've ever related to someone, chances are you've experienced some sort of hurt. Arthur, um, author Frank Andrews says that it seems impossible to love people who hurt and disappoint us, yet there are no other kinds of people. That's just the reality. This isn't fun to talk about, but it is the reality in which we live, and so we need to take an honest look at that. And so to deal with past hurts, one of the things that we're gonna have to do is deal with our baggage, right? That's a word we hear a lot in talking about relationships, how we have baggage. And so today, let's just look at unpacking our bags, kind of letting some of that stuff go. Because unfortunately, friendships can be messy, and they can even be painful. And guess what? Everyone in this room and watching online has uh, been hurt by someone or has hurt someone. Everyone, even you guys who are so amazing, everyone annoys at least some one other person. Everyone disappoints at least one other person. And like I said, everyone, even you who are so amazing, has hurt someone, not necessarily intentionally, but it has happened. The issue is, is that when we have been hurt, we can become judgmental and protective of ourselves. We wanna build up walls and we begin to other people because we're trying to uh, walk in self-preservation. And that makes sense. And let me just say, and I feel like we've said before, you do have to be wise. There are times when boundaries are important. So we're not saying that everyone has an open door just to do whatever in the heck they want. That's not what this is about. But this is about dealing with some hurts that we may have had that have caused us to build up some walls and shut other people out. We begin to treat others as enemies before they even get a chance to hurt us because we've learned from the past. And these are past things that we need to unlearn and deal with. It can become so difficult, I know this, to want to try again, to invest again, and to risk again after you've been hurt. But it's important that we partner with God and the Holy Spirit to begin to walk that path so that we can experience health and wholeness and healing. It's not unlike those of you who exercise regularly. Remember, look, I said those of you who exercise regularly because that's not, <laughs> I do not do that. Maybe I should. But if you exercise regularly, or if you're a runner or a speed walker or whatever it is, or a biker or whatever it is that you do, if you've ever had an injury, then you know that if you wanna get back to doing what you love doing, you need to rehab that injury and you need to work that out again. And it's, it's similar to being hurt. Like we need to rehab that injury with the help of the Holy Spirit. 2020 seems like it was a decade ago, but it was just last year. And it was a hard year for a variety of reasons. Um, and it seemed to last forever. And just time is so weird now because of the pandemic and everything. But 2020 was a hard year for a variety of reasons. The way I started out 2020, literally on day one, was falling down my stairs and fracturing my backside. And it was not fun. And after I was um, bedridden for a few months and couldn't stand, couldn't walk, certainly couldn't go up and down stairs, I had to learn to kind of redo those things again. I had to get my body used to moving in those ways again. One of the surprising things that happened during that unparticularly 
dark time for me because it was. It was it was sad and it was depressing. There were just things that I couldn't do and that made me really sad. But the cool thing is, is I had people show up for me in some really sweet, cool ways. First of all, I know many of you are praying for me. I had people come to my home, bring me lunch, bring me dinner, sit in my bed with me because that's the only place I could be, interact with me. I had people... Uh, have Zoom meetings with me where I was in my bed and they were there sitting around. Um, I had someone uh, pay to have our home cleaned because I couldn't do that. It was just a really sweet way that I had friends show up, show up for me. Um, but I had to allow that to happen. And so we can look for those bright spots that God blesses us with even when we're going through difficult times. Learning to deal with hurt is critical if we want to maintain our friendships that we have. And if we want to gain new friendships, we have to deal with these hurts. C.S. Lewis says it this way, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal to deal with past hurts, we need to attend to what I call our bucket leaks. We've got to own our personal, our spiritual, and our emotional growth. And one of the ways we do that is to become aware of how we're wired, become aware of our triggers, our insecurities, um, the things that make us who we are, because when we are aware of those things, then we will aid, it will aid in the health of our friendships. And so we want to be people, kingdom people, where people pour into us their love and their time and their affection. And we want to be able to pour out to others our love, our time, and our affection. We're pouring into these relational buckets. But when we have wounds and we have insecurities and we have fears that we have not dealt with, that we haven't partnered with God with to, to receive healing from, then we'll begin to notice that we've worn holes in our buckets. And then those holes may even produce leaks. So that as people are pouring into us, they're pouring their love, they're pouring their support, they're pouring their time into us, we're not able to hold it because it's just leaking out because we haven't dealt with our stuff. And we may be tempted to say, well, they need to love me better. They need to love me more. I need more from them. But in actuality, this is on us. We have to be the ones to take our hurts, our wounds, our insecurities to the Lord and allow him to do a work. We need to be the ones to repair our buckets. Finally, to deal with past hurts, we're gonna have to walk down this path of forgiveness. And that can be really difficult. When we walk the path of forgiveness, it really does free us from the destruction that others have caused. And it frees others from our own judgment and vengeance. Now, we've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. It does not absolve the wrong or cover the consequences because hurting people do stupid things. They just do. And sometimes that spills out on us. And this is not about absolving them of that, but it is about setting us free so that we can walk whole again. Many of you know that I wasn't raised by my biological parents, and so when I refer to my mom and my dad, I mean the couple that took me in around the age of 13 and raised me from there on. And because I wasn't raised with my biological parents and because 
um, of the time that I did spend with them, of course, there was some hurt there, there was some dysfunction there, and there would be times when I would have questions or I would feel like things were my fault or I would try to shoulder the responsibility of their actions. And my mom would always say to me, no, hurting people hurt people. And we need to be in a place where we recognize their woundedness has spilled out on us. That's not on us, but we do need to set them free and let them go and forgive and then move on in health and wholeness. When we walk the path of forgiveness, it, it protects our current friendships from the damage of the past. There's an ancient saying that says, holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else, yet you are the one who gets burned. We absolutely need to allow God to do a work in us regarding these hurts. I think that's so very important. Now, there are some other things, I'm gonna call these personal behavior things, that as we're engaging with one another in friendship, these are simple, like, you're gonna go, duh, but I think they're worth mentioning. Paul Eddy, who is a part of our leadership team here and one of the pastors here, he's also a professor at Bethel. He has taught many times on covenant friendship. And so I took these seven friendship busters from Paul because this is stuff we don't even need to be playing around with if we really wanna show up for people in healthy ways and engage in meaningful friendships. Number one, unclear expectations. Number two, gossip. These are busters that will kill our friendships. Number three, betraying confidentiality. Number four, possessiveness. Number five, controlling or smothering behaviors. Number six, competitiveness and negative comparisons. And number seven, a quid pro quo arrangement. That is not the kind of behaviors we wanna be displaying in our friendships. So what do we wanna look like in our friendships? How do we wanna show up for one another? Well, we've got some friendship builders that we're gonna look at now. And the first friendship builder is knowing and caring. That may seem simple, but it is so important to partner knowing others with caring for them. This is how we go deeper with one another. It's how we increase our understanding of one another. And we've gotta participate in the act of knowing and caring for others regularly. This isn't just a one and done situation. When I say knowing others, I mean where we understand others from their perspective. We ask questions, we notice things, we, we begin to see the deeper things that all, don't always surface on their own. We don't make assumptions about people. We don't fill in the blank from our own experiences. No, we're trying to get to know them and their experiences, their life story. And then as that knowing grows, we'll be able to recognize little nuances in people, little things that seem to matter to them. And it's so important as we're knowing, getting to know others for truly who they are, that we retain what we learn because nothing communicates a lack of care and concern than having them have to repeat themselves over and over again with something they've already told you. We need to be able to retain things that we are learning. Partnered with knowing is caring. Caring is being able to articulate that another person truly matters to you. Now, at the end of the summer, our family got a new little kitten. 
Her name is Loki and she is adorable. We love her. She has primarily become Afton, my daughter's kitten, and Afton loves Loki. And hopefully you animal lovers will really appreciate this. Afton loves Loki. She cares for her physical needs, her little kitty emotional needs <laughs> as they may be. She really, she tends to her. And she cares so much about Loki that she really began to be disturbed by the fact that we have all these box elder bugs lately that have been like coming at our window. And Loki is going crazy because she can't get to them. They're on the outside and she's like just trying to get to them and she's still a little kitten so she can't get all the way to the top of the window as, as hard as she may try. And so Afton, because she cares for Loki, has begun to like take Loki and lift her up and try to help her to see, well, this one's outside, you can't get that one. Quit bashing your head against the window. Oh, but this one here you can get. Oh, yummy, you get to eat it. Now I know that doesn't work very well, doesn't align very well with our nonviolence perspective, but listen, my daughter is caring for sweet little Loki. And while I was watching this play out one day, I just got this little sense of, wow, that's what it means when you truly love someone, you care for them. Maybe you don't fully understand what, what's going on in their life or what's, what they're doing or why, but you want to help them because you love them and you want to support them. So caring is so important. We're actively paying attention. We're truly listening to understand the other. We're hearing even those things that aren't being said. And this is more, about knowing, more than about knowing facts. This is sensing why those facts matter. When we know and we care for others, we can respond authentically from our hearts. Our second friendship builder is we've got to initiate, you guys. Like I said, we can't just wait back and wait for the perfect person to show up wrapped in a bow on our doorstep. We need to initiate. This isn't a passive thing. We need to be eager to do good toward one another, like Scripture tells us. And when we are emboldened by the Holy Spirit, we become compelled to provide a space where others can feel seen, satisfied, and safe in our presence. We can experience joy and laughter with one another. We can encourage and inspire one another. We can show up in such a way that another feels greeted, welcomed, worthy, accepted, and like they belong. This is a very strong and powerful foundation to build a friendship upon, which leads us to our third friendship builder, which is we need to cultivate. We need to do the work. We need consistency in our friendships because friendships, remember, take time to develop and they take time to flourish and grow. And as that time together increases, you'll notice that trust is being built. And as that trust is being built, we become a reliable source for one another. And that is an awesome, beautiful thing. It's about showing up for one another, being fully, truly present. I have been so blessed to have people show up in my life in large ways and in small ways. Just earlier today, maybe, I'm not gonna say for sure, I may have been looking over my sermon notes and realized I left my phone in the bathroom across the building and I had a friend go to the bathroom and bring it to me so I wouldn't be late in here. That is a friend showing up for me in, in, a, in a small but huge way for me. I've had um, friends show up for me when I was processing things and, and praying through things and struggling, struggling with things. I've had friends have weekly phone calls with me or conversations or prayer times with me. I've had friends show up for my kids and for my family. And that has compelled me to show up for others 
It is so important through that consistency that we're building trust and reliability so that we know that others are gonna show up for us and we're gonna show up for them. When that consistency is there and we know it, when we can rely on others, when others can rely on us and we know that that trust is there, guess what? We can even show up for one another in the midst of conflict. We can show up for one another in the midst of conflict because we know that we're safe together. We know that there's not a risk of losing one another. When we choose the awkwardness of a conversation over the risk of losing each other, that is a good thing. Because too often we wanna avoid the awkwardness and we wanna avoid the pain and the discomfort of having the conversation and then we end up losing a really special important friendship. So let's not do that. Let's know that we've put in the time with one another and we can be trusted and we can be reliable and we can go through that conflict together because we are coming from a place of wanting to hold on to the value, the worth, and the importance of one another. This is about forward progress. It's not about defending our ego, and it's not about shaming. It's about moving forward together. Our fourth friendship builder is safeguard. We need to protect our friendships because people are going to be vulnerable with us, right? When we've put in the time with them, when we've been consistent, when we're trustworthy and, and we've shown ourselves to be reliable, people are going to be vulnerable with us. And that's a good thing. And friendship should grow in vulnerability over time. We as kingdom people need to show up by being a safe space for others to be vulnerable with us. This is a space where the shields of protection that maybe others have felt like they needed can be lowered because we're there to connect, not to fight or to fix. I have had friends who have gone through life altering experiences. I'm talking things like betrayal and divorce, financial devastation, huge loss, tremendous loss, or even fear of motherhood when they were young mothers. And when they've come to me, my job wasn't to try to fix them or tell them what they're doing wrong or different decisions that they could make. It wasn't to fight with them, to get them to change their mind. My, my, my job was just to be there for them and allow them to process what they were going through. I needed to be a safe space. And then listen to the spirit to see what happens next. This is a space where we show ourselves to be worthy of another's trust. And so we need to show up in such a way that others feel safely loved, holy for who they are. Our fifth and final friendship builder is what scripture calls one anothering. It is really beautiful. In John 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And when he says that, he identifies the nature of relationship that God has always desired with those he created. He created us to be in relationship with him and with one another. And so if we're going to be in relationship with one another, we need to make sure that we are confident in our relationship with him. We need to live loved because we are loved. God wants to fill us so that we are certain of his care for us in every detail of our lives. He wants to set you and me so free in his love that it spills out of us and touches others. This is why I love so much our teaching of the picture of God because I feel like everything comes back to that. 
The picture of God that we have will determine so much in our lives, even the way that we interact with one another. Because listen, if you view God as judgmental with your sins and impatient with your weaknesses and uninvolved in your pain, then chances are that is what's gonna spill out of you toward others. But Jesus said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you should love one another. And Jesus does love you and me, and he loves us wholly, perfectly, completely. Some one anothering scriptures that I think are really important, and you can go through a lot of these on your own as well, but forgiving one another, we talked about that. Bearing with one another, being hospitable to one another, hospitable to one another, being kind and compassionate, building up, praying for, sharing with one another. When, I, um, when my family moved back down to Houston a few years ago, we did not realize the importance of our community here. We knew we loved people here, we knew we loved our time here, but we thought that time was over when we moved back down. And at one point, we had some friends from up here come down and visit us. And when their visit was over, I was just filled with joy and love and just celebrating that the fact that they had been there. And different ones of them had different flights, and so some of them had left at certain different times of the day, but there were a few that I got to take to the airport. And after everyone was gone and I was driving home alone and I was just thinking through everyone who had been there with me over those, those few days, I began to weep. I had to pull over because I was weeping so hard because I realized the importance of those beautiful friendships, those people that God had blessed me with. And that began the process of Scott and I discerning where we wanted to live and raise our family and what community we wanted to be a part of. And that, that was the process of leading us back to being here, being amongst this community and being with you guys because those, those friendships are so powerful and so important. This is why, you guys, we've been talking about friendship. This is why we're even talking about spiritual friendship because when we begin to really walk this out with one another, it is such a powerful, beautiful thing when we're loving and accepting of one another and encouraging one another and supporting one another and challenging one another to grow and be more Christ-like. It is a beautiful thing that we benefit greatly from. And that's why we felt led to offer the spiritual friendship class. Now, some of you have these kinds of friendships in your life. They've developed naturally over time. But if you would like some tools to kind of take your friendships further, this class is a great fit for you. Maybe you can think of people in your life that you'd like to begin to walk this out with. Well, guess what? This class is a great fit for you. But for those of you who can't name people in your life right now that you would want to begin to walk this out with, spiritual friendship, we have another on-ramp for you, and guess what? It's the class, because in that class, you have the potential to meet some people that you can possibly begin to work this out with. We really believe in friendship. We believe in interweaving our lives together. We believe in spiritual friendship. When you can have that few, that core of people that you're really growing together and striving to be better together through Jesus, it is a beautiful, powerful thing. So in closing, I just have a few quick admonishments. Look, no, no, no. Yeah, just have a few quick admonishments for us all. So let's not get overwhelmed, right? We've heard a lot of big things throughout the series, but let's not get overwhelmed. Remember, start where you are at and grow from there. Every friend you have today was once a stranger who crossed your path. Just start where you're at. 
Because friendships begin in those simple moments offered with a warm smile or a gentle word or a kind act. Friendships open the way for us to discover the treasures God has placed all around us. Mm, so powerful. You never know what treasures of God's glory might sit across from you on the bus, down the hall at work, or even your neighbor next door. God has people who will be greatly helped by the treasure he has placed in you. And God has people that he wants to bless you with as well. You will be blessed by them. So keep asking him and keep looking for those that he brings across your path. And let's walk this out together. Thank you guys, amen. Thank you so much. Now, thank you, thank you. A couple of reminders. Prayer, if you are here and you need prayer, guess what? That's what we're here for, to be supporting one another. And so come and get prayer. And if you're online, we have folks in prayer rooms as well for you. Uh, the MuseCast is happening on Tuesday afternoon, so Dan and I will uh, talk through this little sermon a little bit more. We might have a guest. I'll let you know then. Gathering groups, if you want to discuss the sermons a little further, gathering groups are a great place to go. And if you're here and you've got amazing kiddos and Heroes Gate, don't forget to save your spot so we can be best prepared for them. All right, you guys, have an amazing day. Be blessed and go out and love one another.